Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Uh, Our dear friend Phil Giraldi joins us now. Phil, um, it's always a pleasure. Uh, You and I have followed the uh, International uh, Court of Justice, and while it didn't say as a matter of law that Israel was engaged in, uh, in genocide, it clearly said, stop the genocide and report to us in 30 days. The stop the genocide was a vote of 15 to 2. The report in 30 days was a vote of 16 to 1 with the Israeli appointed justice joining the uh, 16. Do you think there's any uh, implication for the United States becoming a co-defendant in this case because of its um, unabashed supplying of the instruments of genocide. Well, you know, I've been I've been reading a lot of analysis from people who understand uh, legal issues a lot better than I do, and judicial issues, and uh, they come they're kind of coming down all over the map, but are essentially saying that yes, the United States uh, is complicit in these genocide um, leading type actions that the Israelis are uh, are engaged in. And that would mean uh, the, the money that's being uh, given to Israel to, to fight the war, the weapons that are being uh, uh, delivered and, uh, and described as uh, emergency defense weapons for Israel, but they're in fact being used uh, to carry out the bombing and uh, strafing of Gaza, killing. Uh, what bothers me is we've got another month till this alleged report comes out, which, of course, Israel will deny everything. Um, and every day the bombing continues, the famine continues, the disease continues. There are anywhere from 300 to 500 Palestinians, mostly women and children, who are dying every single day while this process plays out. So that's what that's what I think upsets me most about it. I would have liked to have seen a, either, since they won't accept a ceasefire, how about another one of these pauses, maybe to uh, to gain a little sanity in what's going on there. Here's uh, President Biden uh, speaking about his uh, plans to uh, retaliate, potentially retaliate against Iran, because he says uh, Iran 
uh, is supplying the weapons to whoever uh, attacked our military base in the middle of nowhere at the Jordanian-Syrian border that killed three soldiers and wounded 34 others. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I want to analyze with you what the president said. There's a lot of noise in the background, but um, you'll see popping up on the screen subtitles so you can hear the question and you can hear the answer. Yes. I do hold them responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. Well, we'll have that discussion. We'll see. The key is I do hold Iran responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons. Mr. President, does that not, that theory not keep the United States responsible for supplying the uh, weapons in Ukraine that has resulted in the slaughter of 500,000 Ukrainian young men and supplying the weapons to the IDF that has resulted in the slaughter of 27, 28, 29,000, we don't even know how many, civilians in Gaza. Did yeah, he own goose with that line that I'm going to hold responsible the people who supply the weapons? Yeah, the hypocrisy is is wide open there. And I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't a follow-on question by one of our brave journalists uh, to point that out to uh, Mr. Biden. Uh, it's exactly the same situation, or in fact, even more so, uh, in that uh, the United States obviously has boots on the ground. Uh, the United States is, is consulting with Israel on an almost weekly basis. Somebody is over there, senior, a senior government official is in there working things out with Israel. We're, we're totally complicit in the act. I would have uh, thought that Biden would have been sensible enough for once uh, to concede that unless Iran were the agent uh, making this, this proxy group uh, uh, carry out the action that uh, they're not guilty. I mean, this is uh, uh, supplying weapons to allies and things like that is, uh, is, is a totally normal act at most places in the world uh, where these relationships exist. So it's, uh, again, what is, is wrong with this guy? I, uh, it, it strikes me as odd that he, he could not see the irony in what he was saying. Now, this is scary. It, it is it is very scary, and it gets back to what you and I talked about originally. I realize that international law is not the same uh, as, uh, as American law, uh, but if this case were to be tried under American law, the United States would be a co-defendant. I mean, let's face it, there would be no um, special military operation in Ukraine without the U.S. supplying weapons to Ukraine, and the IDF would stop tomorrow, as we know, as we've seen, uh, if the U.S. Uh, stopped supplying it uh, with weapons uh, and ammunition. I just don't know how much longer this can go on with um, the president and the secretary of state saying we want a two-state solution, we want a two-state solution. Netanyahu saying no way, no way. The prime minister or the, the defense minister of Israel saying we're about to enter Hezbollah. Uh, the IDF 
dresses as women and as doctors and enters a hospital uh, in the West Bank, not in Gaza, in the West Bank, uh, and blows the brains out of three uh, patients there because they said they had been involved uh, in Hamas activity, about as clear a war crime if ever there was one, and nothing happens. And you and Larry Johnson and Ray McGovern and Scott Ritter and Colonel McGregor and uh, Max Blumenthal and Aaron Matei and I are about the only ones that are ranting and raving and complaining about this. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, well, I know a few others that are also. Uh, there are a lot of us out there. And and uh, one of the points that's really interesting is... Uh, uh, is that essentially uh, opinion polls came to seem to suggest that the American public is not behind this stuff. And it's, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's nobody having any say in it, except the, uh, the, the people who are pushing these policies and uh, let's need not leave the mainstream media out of this. The mainstream media is playing the Israeli narrative as hard as it can. You cannot see an article appear anywhere in the mainstream media that essentially suggests that uh, the Israelis are actually doing what uh, everyone seems to have a lot of evidence to indicate they're doing, and they're getting away with it. And uh, they probably think that this uh, alleged exposure of the United Nations Relief Organization, for which they are providing no evidence, uh, kind of you know pushes the narrative their way yet again. But this is this is awful. Yeah. Tony Blinken says, oh, we have intelligence reports. It's very serious. Uh, we know that the United States uh, Relief or the United Nations Relief Organization was secretly working for Hamas. We fired 12 people, but they're not going to share um, any evidence. Uh, let me get to your uh, piece. Uh, did George W. Bush really refer to the Constitution as that goddamned piece of paper? Forgive me for saying that. I'm quoting your quotation in your piece. Well, you know, there is there is evidence that runs both ways on that one. Um, there are people who claim to have been in the room, eyewitnesses, ear witnesses uh, to what was said. And um, there are others who say, no, he, well, he didn't he didn't actually say anything like that. Um, it's you know, it's been um, a, a quote that's been floating around uh, for over 20 years now. Um it's obvious that he behaved as if he felt that way about the Constitution. I mean, a month after 9-11, they pushed through the Patriot Act, 
probably the most unpatriotic piece of legislation since the Alien and Sedition Acts of uh, 1798, which which criminalized speech. The, the, the Patriot Act allowed one FBI agent to authorize another FBI agent to seize uh, records without a search warrant. I mean, that's a real, real compliance with the Fourth Amendment. I'm obviously being sarcastic here. Uh, the two AUMFs, Authorization for Use of Military Force, uh, one to pursue anybody anywhere on the planet who had anything to do with 9-11. That was still, that was recently used by uh, by uh, Biden, uh, even though some of the people that he killed hadn't even been born on 9-11. The other AUMF was used to invade Afghanistan on the theory that, or, or um, Iraq on the theory that it had weapons of mass destruction, which we now know uh, it didn't. These are passages of power from the Congress to the president, uh, just like the War Powers uh, Act is, allowing the president to pick a target, demolish the target, without a broad national consensus, without a declaration of war, without going to the Congress beforehand. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, the, the, we have the, this kind of extra legal and extra constitutional structure that has evolved uh, in particular since 9-11. And it's uh, the, the, the presidents, the, the executives exploit this uh, to do all kinds of things that... Uh, uh, would have been considered illegal uh, and, uh, you know, criminal acts, and they would have been probably prosecuted and sent to jail, but now they, they get away with it by uh, using the uh, argument repeatedly that these people are threatening us, they're coming here to kill us. It's, uh, it's like the, the, some of the arguments being floated from uh, Israeli sources and, and the Friends of Israel that, you know, again, this argument that if we don't fight Hamas, Hamas over there, uh, they're going to come over here and do it to us again, like 9-11. And this stuff is ridiculous. What, um, why is it that it doesn't matter who the president is that this stuff keeps happening? I mean, stated differently, does it matter who you vote for in the United States of America when it comes to war? Or are there forces... And I have a feeling you're going to say yes, and my follow-up question will be to identify those forces that have a, a lock grip on the government and continually and persistently and regularly and systematically push the government towards war. Well, yes. And I, and I would identify the two biggest, well, actually, the, the biggest source is, is unitary. It's one thing. It's money. And uh, I would point out that the defense industry uh, as supporting uh, congressmen that uh, will vote the way they want, which means more war, uh, is one source. And I would have to say the Israel lobby in the last 20 or 30 years being probably the most influential lobby over U.S. foreign policy. And I know some would disagree with me on that. But um, I think that Israel has been pushing into wars for quite some time, and they've got the money, and it goes to the same congressman, it goes to the same people who want war, and everybody lines their pockets out of it. And uh, this is a, a pathetic state for our country to have arrived at this uh, junction in in history. It's, uh, it's just completely wrong. We've become a, a, a nation that accepts constant war. 
that would Joe Biden did not get elected and say that he was going to be in three wars by 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 the the next election coming up. Uh, and yet that's where we're at. And maybe we're going to be at four or five before we get through the year. So it almost doesn't matter if the uh, president is a conservative Republican. And I don't know how to characterize Trump, but he's obviously not liberal on anything. So let's say he's a conservative Republican. And let's say Joe uh, Biden uh, is a liberal Democrat. They're both in support of Israel. They're both in support of the uh, genocide. Trump moved the capital of uh, uh, Trump moved the U.S. embassy illegally uh, from uh, Tel Aviv uh, to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Trump appointed a an ambassador to Israel who was a lobbyist for Israel. I mean, where were we going with uh, with this? How tight is the Israeli grip on the American government? Whether the president is a conservative Republican or a liberal Democrat. Well, the grip the grip is as tight as it is because it works through a, a network of people that we call the neocons, the neoconservatives. Neoconservatives have managed in the last 20 years to entrench themselves in both political parties as the foreign policy experts. Wherever you go, you will find neoconservatives uh, in the think tanks, uh, in senior government positions, and they're all push, pushing for the same sorts of policies, which are basically uh, war all the time, uh, basing this on what they perceive as the national interest for the United States to be the country that sets the rules and enforces the rules. And that's part of the, the thinking. And of course, there, there is the Israel factor that uh, much of this started originally in the 1990s as a way of... Uh, uh, protecting Israel from criticism uh, because it was already clear that Israel was never going to allow a Palestinian state, that Israel is not a democracy. But uh, this is this is how it all came came about. Is the United States government corrupt? I would say it's completely corrupt because what bothers me more than uh, what happens at the federal level is this stuff is creeping down to state levels and everything, too. Uh, you have in 35 states right now legislation or rules um, that basically limit what citizens of those states can do if they are uh, if they will not sign a paper saying that they oppose any boycotts of Israel. Boycotts are perfectly legal. All through history, they've been perfectly legal. You choose not to buy a product or you choose not to support something, and uh, they're legal. But in 35 states, they're not that legal anymore. These states uh, will not do business with you if you're a vendor unless you sign a statement under oath uh, opposing a boycott of Israel, even though, or of goods from Israel. Uh, even though, as you say, boycotts are perfectly uh, legal uh, economic uh, mechanisms, it's uh, it's voting with your pocketbook. You have two choices as to where to buy your T-shirts from. You can choose whichever shop you want on whatever basis you want, and the state can't interfere with that. But if you have a contract to do business with, for example, the state of Florida, this is a Ron DeSantis uh, nonsense, uh, the state will terminate that uh, contract uh, unless you uh, swear that you won't be involved in the boycott. That is known as the doctrine 
a violation of the doctrine against unconstitutional conditions. The government cannot condition a governmental benefit selling products to the government on the non-assertion of a fundamental liberty, your right to choose with whom to do business. But these states get away with it and the courts uh, and the courts won't uh, won't interfere with it. Um, I alluded to Trump earlier. Um, is he as uh, dangerous as Biden uh, because of his uh, personal friendship with Netanyahu uh, and being wedded at the hip politically uh, with the Israelis? Well, I would, uh, as a judgment between comparing the two, it's like, which poison do you want to take? And um, as far as I'm concerned, Biden is more dangerous because he's more mentally detached, so we, shall we say. And uh, he has uh, started three, three wars and maybe more to come. I think Trump is a little more wary on that issue, although he's a bit of a fake on it. He, uh, he says we've got to get rid of all these uh, useless wars, but then he didn't do anything about it. Uh, so that's kind of his thinking. Uh, but he, he comes out with some awful stuff. I mean, recently when uh, uh, there were some of these attacks on our U.S. illegal illegal bases in Syria and Iraq, Trump made the comment that if they spill one drop of American blood, we will spill gallons of their blood. I mean, this is a guy who's, uh, you want him to be president of the United States? This is the way he thinks. And uh, But, you know, this, uh, there's a broad acceptance in the public because they get scaremongered by the government and by the media all the time. They really think that there are people out there who are out to get us. And uh, if there are people out there out to get us, they're doing it because of the way we behave. Why do we have 57,000 uh, troops in the Middle East? And why do we have uh, illegal bases in uh, Iraq uh, and Syria? Well, we have 57,000 57, troops in the Middle East to to basically support our uh, our uh, proxies, if you want to call them that, our allies in the Middle East. So I'm including some of the Arab states like Saudi Arabia, which has been under American protection since the uh, Second World War. Um, and of course, Israel, uh, a lot of the troops are there basically to respond to any threats to Israel. And um, there are various other issues. The, uh, the troops that are in Syria and I Iraq, um, well, in Syria, they're completely illegal. In Iraq, the parliament has twice asked the U.S. to remove its troops. And apparently there are some discussions even going on right now. But they're basically not wanted in those countries. They're there essentially uh, to uh, enforce uh, what they see as the uh, American dictated rule of law in that region uh, because it is energy rich and there are various political issues that arise because of it. And uh, so that's that's the argument. But the argument is a false one. They're they're sitting ducks to get attacked like they happened uh, five days ago and uh, they should be removed. Why don't we bring them all home? Trump said he was going to bring them home. I don't think he brought any home. That's correct. Uh, what will happen in your view if uh, Joe Biden uh, follows? <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face. Lindsey Graham's advice and attacks Tehran, the capital uh, of Iran. Well, Nikki Haley is, is suggesting the same thing. Must uh, be in the water in South Carolina. 
But uh, <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully Biden won't do that. But if, if he attacks Iran on this theory that he who pays for it is as liable as he who uses it. OK, Joe, that makes you liable for genocide. We've been through that argument. Uh, but if he does that, wouldn't Iran uh, respond uh, significantly? Wouldn't that expose U.S. troops and even U.S. mainland, God forbid, to some sort of an attack? Uh, well, not only that, I mean, consider the fact that uh, once you open uh, uh, the war there, uh, the economic impacts is, is going to be enormous. I mean, that whole region will cease to be an area through which energy supplies can flow. And the Iranians have a, a perfectly capable of doing that. And uh, so this is a stupid idea. And uh, I'm not surprised at Lindsey Graham, nor am I surprised at, at Nikki. Uh, these people are stupid people who are basically, you know, playing the drum roll to get the, the support out, to uh, show how strong they are. And, uh, you know, we should, we should, as a nation, start to be getting a little tired of hearing that kind of crap. Tell me if you're tired of this. Cut number four, Chris. We've made very, very clear from day one that we're going to defend our people. We're going to defend our personnel. Uh, we're going to defend our interests, and that's exactly uh, what we've done. We've taken action, significant action, to deter groups, uh, to degrade their capabilities in Iraq, in Syria, in Yemen. At the same time, the President's been very clear that we want to prevent broader escalation. We want to prevent this conflict from spreading. So we are intent on doing both, that is, standing up uh, for our people when they're attacked, uh, while at the same time working every single day to prevent the conflict from growing uh, and, and spreading. Troops are there illegally. They're sitting ducks. They're attacked. We'll use it as an excuse to attack back. But, oh, we don't want the war to spread. We're going to spread it, but we don't want it to spread. That's basically what he said, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, he's saying we have to escalate it to keep it from escalating. Right. Uh, this is a Blinken speak. Right. Um, here he is again, number five, Chris. The president said this, I think, virtually from, from day one to anyone who would try to use the crisis in the Middle East, the conflict in the Middle East, uh, to sow further instability and to use it as an uh, excuse to attack our personnel. Uh, we will respond. We will respond strongly. We will respond at a time uh, and place of our choosing. And obviously, I'm not going to telegraph what, uh, what we might do in this instance or get ahead of the president, but I can, again, tell you that, as the president said yesterday, uh, we will respond. Uh, and that response could be multi-leveled, come in stages, and be sustained over time. Sounds like uh, the entry of troops to me, but uh, but who knows? I think he wants to run for re-election as a wartime president. Just my just my uh, gut feeling. Everything else is failing. Our our dear friend uh, Gerald Salenti, who can be very rough, as you know, what the stuff he says has a great one-liner: "When all else fails, they take you to war." Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're seeing because he's saying he's, he's saying essentially we're we're going to be. Uh, as I say, escalating to keep it from escalating. 
And and all all this is really saying is that we are we are the smart guys here in the room, and we're the ones that know how to control this situation. And uh, if anything has been demonstrated by the last three years, is we have no capability to to understand anything or to control anything, or even to understand what this alleged uh, rule of law is supposed to mean. It's ridiculous. Bill Giraldi, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again next week. All my best. Okay, to you. thank you very much. Of course. Uh, coming up at four o'clock, more on all of this and on the state of journalism. Are journalists free to write what they want? I always thought the First Amendment said they can. Well, suppose they're in Israel or in Ukraine. Aaron Mate, four o'clock on suppression of journalists around the world. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.